Hello and welcome to the Contrarian Podcast with your hosts Rohan Shivalkar and Chris Ali. This week we're going to be doing another episode of the Contrarian Uncensored, the most authentic and honest content you'll find on the internet. <laughs> what are you saying, Chris? Yeah, not much, bro. Just uh, trying to get some productive stuff done during this uh, beautiful time of being stuck at home. Yourself? Nice. Yeah, literally same. Just been trying to crack on, really, because I, I hate... I hate things being static. I like I like to be doing things, and so if I if I don't do things, I feel like I'm gonna lose my mind. So like, it's it's good that I've you know trying to do little, even if it's just a little bit every day, then just sort of like keeps the cogs turning, as as they say. Yeah, this is how we've got to kind of carry on, keep calm and carry on kind of mentality, right? Keep calm, have a drink, smoke some ganja. <laughs> yeah, well, not for me. Although it was four twenty. 420 a couple of yes, days I mean, ago then. A lot of people tend to go to Hyde Park and just smoke for the whole day. To be fair, this whole month has been 420, right? But it's just, it's just this coronavirus has uh, you know, messed up the stoners' plans. Yeah, I know. I mean, I haven't been able to touch anything since coming back here. But uh, I mean, it must be pretty interesting. Like, how do you deal? How do you deal when you've got to keep two meters away from the client? <laughs> oh it's jokes but yeah so with the context of uh, 420 having just gone by we thought why not do an episode on cannabis and also then we thought well why not do it on pornography as well so this episode we're going to be talking about cannabis and porn <laughs> two for the price of one isn't it the price of one eh? i think it's, it's important i think it'd be quite funny as well because like i think it's important to talk about these sort of topics and not shy away from them so yeah that's why on the contrarian you've got me and chris delving into these topics so you don't have to exactly it's the important things and really these things are taboo in our society okay and we really have to get out of that mindset you know we have to talk about these things and bring them into into awareness because these are discussions that need to be had and uh, we've had quite a few serious episodes so i really hope the listeners will enjoy a nice chilled one yeah exactly i mean that's the point right people can just sit at home while they're just doing whatever and have us on in the background or, or have us in the foreground and actually like listen to what we're saying. <laughs> yeah, use us as procrastination if it needs to be. Yeah, exactly. And so I think a sensible starting point would be the whole medical marijuana movement in the UK. So we've sort of seen it gradually being accepted in terms of helping epilepsy and seizures. And, you know, there's there's been proven benefits that not so much with THC, but CBD, another active, would you say, compound in, in weed that helps like anxiety, sleep disorders and pain. So, yeah, it, has, it definitely has its benefits. Yeah, I mean, look, let's start off simply. Weed is a plant. Marijuana is a plant, all right? It's, it's a natural herb. <laughs> exactly. This is, you know, been put on, by, put on the planet by the, uh, by the Lord himself, herself, itself. Oneself. So, <laughs> so we have to realize that actually it's been criminalized recently and we have to wonder why, okay? I mean, it's just a, it's just a plant. The THC is a psychoactive element of, of weed, okay? That's the bit that makes you high, that makes you lose your marbles. And it's because <laughs> there are particles in the THC that bind to receptors in your brain, right, and change the activity. But the CBD, the cannabinoids within it, they're, they're the bits that have the really good benefits in terms of like reducing anxiety, improving sleep, uh, even impairing, uh, repairing muscle growth and stuff like that. Like the gym that I used to go to before I went traveling in uh, Absolute in Brentwood, I remember they were selling CBD and they had like a massive list of all the benefits. And I was like, actually, oh, nice. Yeah, in this country, CBD is legal to buy. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, of course. And so, and, and, all, and all, all over Europe as well, like, when we when we went to Prague, there was this. They called it a you know the hemp shop, and we went inside, and it was just like loads of like products, like butter, lollipops, drinks, food. Everything just was infused with CBD, and it was uh, it was quite quite funny. Yeah, hemp is actually a unique material. It's actually got so many uh, so many opportunities in terms of what can be done with it. It's a bit like bamboo. Like in Southeast Asia, they have like bamboo houses, bamboos stream bamboo everything and the same with hemp hemp does everything 
beautiful natural products so what you just touched upon in terms of the criminalization and that really stems from the war on drugs and i guess that's what's really brought about this sort of negative culture and negative connotations with weed with cannabis and with uh, you know thc as well yeah precisely i mean the it seems a bit counterproductive this war on drugs really like for weed in particular especially because weed is around no matter like whatever they're trying to do they're they're evidently losing this war on drugs right they're losing it in the sense that what were they trying to achieve so they were trying to get people to stop smoking uh, like what was it a deterrence you could say and it's just not the case like if you wanted to get your hands on any drugs any illicit drugs it's so easy and in that sense you know there's a, a a flourishing black market for drugs go right underneath the noses of the police the government etc and it's going unregulated it's going you know unchecked well people don't know what they're taking because nothing's tested we don't know the safety we don't know the, the purity so it it's um you could say that the war on drugs has been a massive failure oh without doubt without doubt i mean you touched on some really good points down when it is in the black market the problem is is for people who might want to just venture into into smoking, and I guess this is a deterrent in some cases, but it actually has more harmful effects, is that the the suppliers tend to make weed stronger and stronger, right? Yeah. So they're growing it to become like skunk, you know, like in, in houses in under like false, yeah. uh, unnatural circumstances. Yeah. And as a result, you know, they're growing really, really strong stuff. Yeah. And so that stimulates the market for the people who buy from them the most, the people who are stoners, right? Just on that point, I, I saw a chart and it said in the 1960s and 70s, the concentration of THC in, in cannabis was around 2%. And now it's mm-hmm. really high. It's gone above 20, 30%. You can even, you know, in places where it's decriminalized, you can get uh, THC concentrations of like 99%, which is crazy. Mm, and this, and yeah. this is, and again, this is the another, another issue. Is that uh, a while ago in America they had the um, alcohol bans where there was no, I think, was it called the alcohol bans or um, the prohibition yeah, the, in the twenties, yeah, the uh, prohibition of liquor in the US. And so what yeah. happened there was that people, because it was all on the black market, they just went for the strongest stuff that they could find because mm-hmm. they just wanted to get drunk. And this is exactly the same when it comes to weed. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the strongest stuff is going to sell the most, right? People want that solid OG Kush, you know? They want that to bang. They want to go to cloud nine, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, honestly, the answer is decriminalization and legalization, especially of weed, of cannabis, because it has so many benefits, but I'm sure we'll discuss them in a bit. Um, Luckily, we get to see the benefits of what these things can offer in in the medical market, because it's a natural element we can see how people actually become more creative from it in the music industry and uh, artists of all kinds and we can see how our minds open a little bit more when we smoke sometimes so i don't know if i i, I know that you haven't but uh, for me personally i find that it engages my creative brain to come up with more solutions sometimes do you yes. know do you know what you were smoking like was it because there's sort of like the indicas and then the sativas like and they affect you in very different ways I'm pretty sure over the time I've had both and both have had some pretty interesting impacts. The, the funniest thing is you talk about the indica versus sativa, right? And th- there are differences between the mind and body high, right? Yeah. But the, the one that makes me laugh is when they talk about the different strains. Okay. Because different strains that they say, oh, I've got this in or that in, this lemon kush, this whatever, whatever that, yeah. they, that <laughs> they come up with, they have absolutely no idea to test it because it's there's actually no uh like you said accountability or a regulation in the market so you they'll say that they have this sort of product but yeah. you don't know what you're buying exactly and in preparation for this podcast i i watched a documentary about canada's process of uh, legalizing uh, re- mm-hmm. recreational use of uh, weed and it is it's very interesting and the what's happening there is there's still a lot of weed being bought on the black market because there's so much regulation, there's so much red tape that it's, it's meaning that the price of the weed is going sky high and it's becoming unaffordable. 
So, really? Yeah, so it sort of defeats the whole process and it's it's quite funny like they they have this sort of system in Canada it's this is illicit but it works like Deliveroo so you could go on an app you could buy um, weed infused Doritos or weed infused food and they deliver it to you as if they were coming on a little scooter like Deliveroo <laughs> does it's crazy nice that's actually jokes that reminds me of something actually because I, I was watching um you know on ITV, they have the uh, program with Gino DeCampo, okay. Gordon Ramsay, and Fred from First Date. Yeah. And they were in San Francisco, and Gino took them to his friend who was a, 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 a cannabis chef, I guess is what you'd call it. And uh, apparently, it's one of the fastest growing trends in America for food, right? Of yeah. course, I guess in the, in the States where it's legal. Yeah. And they actually got high on the TV. Oh, jokes. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it was the brilliant, funniest thing to see. Like, Gordon Ramsay was having absolutely none of it. Uh, but Gino DeCampo was, like, lapping it up. He kept dropping, like, the putting the cannabis or, like, the THC oil on, yep. the, uh, on the food and then just taking it in, and it was brilliant to see. Yeah. So I know that we just, we're going to touch upon, like, some of the positives of uh, the use of cannabis, but... As a, I know you studied psychology, and I know that you have a bit of um, bit more knowledge than me, should we say, when it comes to mental illnesses such as psychosis. And so, what would you say to people who would point to weed and cannabis, you know, causing these sort of mental illnesses? I mean, I I agree that there's definitely a relationship between a positive relationship between the amount of weed you smoke and the likelihood you have of developing um, these tendencies that that may manifest into psychotic uh, episodes because the THC binds to certain receptors and inhibits certain functions and excites certain functions, all right? So yeah. there's no doubt that it doesn't have that impact. But the real problem is actually because of the, the potency of the weed. Yeah. Right, so the stronger skunk enhances the psychoactive component, which enhances the chances of psychosis if you don't have the individual like uh, individual uh, coping mechanisms. So if you have if you have a stronger coping ability or a lower threshold or a lower resistance to stress, which means you're more positive and calm and you don't have episodes of fear and worry and anxiety as much, then it's going to take more to to get towards that point. Yeah. Yeah. But if you reduce the potency, which is a big thing that I'm an advocate for, I really hate when the skunk, when weed is too strong because it just, you don't enjoy it. Well, it's, it's, so, it's not authentic, is it? It's, uh, it's almost like a fake experience. Yeah. And then you think you're going to die when you start getting anxiety <laughs> Yeah, no, as in, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't laugh, but it's, it's true. I, as in, I've heard loads of stories where, you know, people have... Um, just it's it's affected them to the point where they just become really paranoid they can't move it's not nice and it's like and this is sort of comes into the sort of part when we talk about addiction there's all sorts of reasons as to how addiction manifests in terms of you know just specifically the um consumption of marijuana mm, yeah i mean addiction is a is a big problem but just for people who are smoking in general too you know when nobody wants to undergo paranoia and a panic attack and for me anyway i definitely had episodes of that as well yeah what i could what i've realized is since smoking more recently um in in southeast asia and stuff is that the the natural weed doesn't actually have that impact on you yeah you could manage it a lot better and that your that the this your psychological state that you are in before you start smoking has a really big impact. Yeah, for sure. So for sure. Like, the last time that I, I smoked at home with my friend who smokes a lot, and it was like the night before a cricket match, and he was like, hit the bong, bro. You're going to sleep so well, and you're going to bat tomorrow. You're going to bat really well. You're going to score loads of runs. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I hit it, and honestly, I hit the roof. Yeah. My eyes were red. I went to bed. I couldn't sleep because I thought I was going to... Pass away. <laughs> if I close my eyes, then I'm gonna open again. Yeah, so this yeah. Is, I mean, this is because this is because it binds to receptors in our amygdala, so it's our natural sub- 
survival mechanisms yeah, that, yeah, are, yeah, for sure, that, for sure. that have a lot of blood running through them and you aren't able to rationalize it because the because basically the blood flows to your emotional limbic system before it goes to your your uh, prefrontal cortex which is the rationalization area okay um so you can't act when you try and rationalize the fact that you are having this panic attack or anxiety uh, episode it you you can keep telling yourself that actually it's okay you're just playing this trick on yourself but because of the way that i guess the receptors are are working at that time and how the yeah. blood is flowing through them because of smoking it, yeah, you can't exactly. actually and it doesn't I, work and and i guess this is the reason why a, a lot of uh, you know governmental bodies all around the world are hesitant to legalize weed because th- that's the thing when people are artificially growing weed they're maximizing the thc potency and sort of minimizing the cbd potency and cbd is something that's been said to counteract the the negative effects of thc mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. we could say that we are advocates of uh, the legalization of recreational and uh, medical weed but we have to you know we're not blind to the fact that there are some negative consequences and you know even like you've experienced them and of course other people who might not be in you know as um you know mentally uh, sound as you and it's affected them in really horrible ways it, it's like alcohol you could say it's for some people yeah, some people can is. really enjoy themselves but then other people who you know might be struggling with addiction with mental health um then isn't they shouldn't be drinking it and i think it should be treated in the same way as alcohol and uh, yeah yeah exactly i mean you know it it should be treated the same way as alcohol you know in fact weed isn't bad What's bad is that we don't educate and inform people around the consequences and support them if yeah. they are going to take it in a, in a positive way so that they can use it to enhance themselves rather exactly, than exactly. do damage to themselves. And yeah, um, like you can go and put a bet on and it's not bad, but you can go and gamble and have an addiction. It's bad. You can have a drink. It's okay. But then you can get to the stage of addiction where you abuse alcohol and it's bad. Yeah. And okay, no, sometimes yeah. you don't have to smoke that much weed to get it, but it's not the weed that's bad. Yeah. And let me just quickly, quickly say that the government, I feel that honestly, government's not legalizing it for a couple of reasons. One is because they know that if they bring it into mainstream, the positive benefits of cannabis when they control and regulate it will lead to the like, increasing creativity and awareness and people's minds opening in society. Problem one. Just before we go to your second point, I just want to touch on what you said about opening your minds why would the government think that's a bad thing do you you know why the honest reason why is because they want to they want to control the system wants to control what we know what we're aware of and how we operate and in terms of knowing what we can to stunt our potential my sort of interpretation of uh fair enough there's all these uh you know the bad health effects and stuff but you know if you go beyond that i think when you think about the capitalist backdrop that we live in. It's all about productivity. It's all about doing things quickly. Where we're going to have coffee and we're going to stay awake and we're going to do our job. And mm-hmm. you know, it's all about um, keeping the capitalist wheel turning. And I feel like mm-hmm. when it comes to weed and smoking weed, you sort of detach from that. And I feel like it's something that stops your productivity, you know, quote unquote. And uh, yeah, it's not good for that capitalist wheel to be turning if everyone's stoned out of their mind and just chilling out yeah i mean it just kind of contradicts their movement i guess fundamentally and there is a positive power of weed that if it is brought into the mainstream and harnessed in the right way will shift the way that the that society moves exactly and we can only look to portugal as a really good example so Uh, Recently, Portugal decriminalized not just weed, but all drugs. They launched a a nationwide health campaign where they wouldn't criminalize people who were um, taking drugs. They sort of saw them as people who um, had an issue, had um, rehabilitation issues. So they they set up loads of rehabilitation facilities and they treated it as sort of a disease, not a crime. And in fact, Drug use fell from 44% to 28% over that period. And how U- good is that? Yeah, exactly. Is the, evidence. And the use of hard drugs fell. Um, 
you know, the amount of people with HIV, hepatitis type illnesses fell and overdoses fell. Oh. So like, I just, that from that little, um, you know, case study, mm. we could say of Portugal and their decriminalization of not just weed, but all drugs, you could, um, you could definitely see the positives. And when you treat it, uh, when you don't criminalize it, then I think that's, re- that's when people, then that's when you can really help people because fair enough, people would, um, smoke weed to get high and have fun but also there's a lot of people who are addicted to it and really need that help and mm-hmm. when it's criminalized then you're preventing these people from getting the help that they need too right too right and i, I think this is uh, it just shows that like look how beneficial it is to decriminalize weed and we also know that amsterdam is another fine example of where it's uh, well i think the, the laws are actually quite complicated having spoken to a lot of dutch people yeah um they actually say that it's, although we all think it's legal, apparently parts of, like you can't, like the possession of weed is illegal, but there's some loopholes there. Actually, it has a much better, a, a profound positive impact on society at a, at a, on a holistic level. And it makes me think, and it makes a lot of people think, if, that's the, if, if these are the benefits of legalizing weed, right? Why, is our, why are our governments not doing it? Because yeah. not only does it reduce crime, reduce gang violence, right? Yeah. And make the streets safer as a result and takes out that reason for a lot of these, the, the, the money aspect or the main driving force for a lot of this gang culture. Yeah. But also generates a ridiculous amount of money through taxes and revenue streams by legalizing it and taxing it. Exactly. Not just taxes, but jobs, youth development programs. This just makes a better society. So that's what I mean. It makes us question why on earth they aren't doing that or why it's not there yet. And I think the thing is, we've got a long way to go. But if we sort of look at the globe in terms of the trajectory of the legalization of weed and specifically i think it starts i think firstly it starts off with medical uses for marijuana so in terms of Mm -hmm. when we're we're seeing these people because there's these really sad cases and i would encourage people to go and have a look there's um a guy called billy coldwell a young kid with epilepsy and he was given loads of different drugs amphetamines you can you name it and and these bearing in mind these other drugs that they've been prescribed have dangerous side effects there's no you know though the use yeah. of these amphetamines are no better than the use of canna and of, of weed and so i'll be honest with you they're worse yeah that's exactly. the truth of it like they so are worse with this um billy coldwell story they said that with his epilepsy all these other drugs they they'd either like impair his vision they'd stop him from moving stop him from thinking normally and so there's a massive trade-off there but with weed or with the, I think it was a cannabis oil. When they gave it to him, he was completely fine and it didn't really subdue him mentally or physically, but it helped his epilepsy and it stopped his seizures. And I think there's, I think when you see evidence like this, then it's really important not to turn a blind eye just because of the negative connotations associated with weed. Yeah, exactly. And, and you, you, you nailed it there. And we touched upon it in our last episode. Natural products on the planet have a better ability to heal our body than pharmaceutical drugs but the western agenda and the capitalist agenda suits the pharma companies so doctors prescribe these drugs that have dangerous side effects above the natural uh the natural uh products because it suits the agenda because they have to it's awful so look at this poor boy who's struggling as a result yeah exactly exactly and and you'll see why they're why are they you know blocking this poor boy from being able to survive and function relatively normally. Yeah. So I think in, for his case, he was eventually allowed it, but I think that's fine. It was a news that it was an, a, a piece of news that was everywhere, but for some mm-hmm. people their their stories don't go on national news. And it's important yeah. that um, we raise these issues and we raise these points because it's important that at least if it's not recreational, because recreational is not really a need, whereas these people who are suffering from these horrendous conditions, they, they do need it. And so I think it's important. And I, I, um, I hope that the government takes it more seriously. And, and it's true, people are taking it more seriously. Um, we see the 
Lib- Liberal Democrats, one of their party policies in their uh, and as part of, one of their manifesto was to to legalize weed. So that's it, that's mm. a big step. It's it's a big step, and I think um, the good thing about the UK is that we're not the first ones to legalize to like try and legalize so in that aspect we can learn from other countries like mm-hmm. um canada like the state of california in america like uh amsterdam and we could take all the positives reduce the negatives and really implement um a cannabis policy that will help people a you know with um mental health issues that need uh, mental and physical health issues that need it and i think it's really important and then of course after that then uh, the whole recreational use of uh, marijuana will inevitably come. Yes, hopefully so. There's another issue that I saw that was raised was the fact that weed can be and is a gateway drug in terms of going onto harder stuff. People say it is the gateway drug, but in all fairness, there is a, a much there is a massive difference between uh, weed and and harder psychoactive drugs but in theory you know the ones the the drugs that come from from nature shouldn't i mean to what extent can we say that it's allowed to uh, that our governments are allowed to to de- to criminalize these things they're, they're part of nature right so yeah. well that's the so you can mushrooms say and uh, mushroom. ayahuasca and yeah of course but then I'm, I'm talking about a gateway to other things like ketamine to cocaine to heroin and yeah well i mean then they're the government okay if they believe that it's got such a bad impact they they will be able to resist that just as they've been resisting weed so far and so people say it's the gateway drug but that's just a load of rubbish yeah. like alcohol was the yeah. is also a drug yeah, caffeine exactly. is also a drug also so, also tobacco and um because yeah. people because when i uh, read some studies about um assessing whether uh, weed was a gateway drug they actually found that more often than not this sort the gateway was in fact smoking cigarettes mm, you know more yeah. people who tended to smoke cigarettes were more likely to go and then smoke weed or do you know smoke crack or you know go on to harder stuff we can only hope that there you know there is more of a push for legalization more funding for research because if if we really find out the positive effects that cannabis can have on people then i think that's when governments will take it seriously they're not going to listen to a bunch of youngsters protesting outside parliament saying we want weed to be legal like the, the most likely they'll be they'll do it when proper conclusive uh, research comes when when they you know the government they they're always slow. But the thing is, it's not just young people that smoke weed. No, of course. This of is course. the the thing that we have to realize. People from a ridiculous range of different. If we want, I hate using social classes, but social classes in different backgrounds in different areas all smoke weed, right? Yeah. For different purposes, for different reasons. Yeah, there's a song, uh, lovely, like, I love my reggae, and that's the, the beautiful cultures all around. Weed is a big part of it as well. And there was a song where it's about legalizing weed. I think it's Peter Tosh or somebody like that. And he says, you know, doctors smoke it, judges smoke it, lawyers, police, everybody smokes it. Yeah. So legalize it and I'll advertise it. But, but the point is, yeah, we have to realize, okay, it's not just young snowflakes who get stoned all the time who are pushing it. And yeah, this is the sure. thing. This is why the stigma comes because we don't see the actual true benefits of it. And if we think about it, look at the whole of the, the, the Rasta culture. The Rasta culture is a beautiful culture. Okay. Like yeah. uh, the modern, okay. Modern young Jamaican culture and stuff has, is slightly different. That's where the violence and the crime and different stuff comes in it. Yeah. If you take it back, yeah bob marley there was there was, yeah these guys were, were pioneers of a beautiful culture where they're professing about love about yeah. love is the answer it's all yeah. about positivity and love right yeah, so the sure, culture which has a beautiful symbolism and strength in, in what it's saying and a lot of it was centered around weed right yeah, for and, sure. I think the smoking weed is a big part of uh, was it rust ruster culture. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's it's a pretty like staple diet. Yeah. So 
I had some, a day. Uh, I had some of my um, family visit Jamaica recently and they went on a, a smoking tour, should we say, where they went around and they did the Bob Marley smoking tour. So they went to this house and then they were given uh, zoots and stuff. And um, I don't wow. think they, I don't think they <laughs> partook in it, but it's just, it's like such a big part of the culture there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like we said, it's the same as a drink, right? And I guess my view is a bit different because when I was young, my dad used to um, rent out properties and, and support people, marginalized uh, members of, of society who were trying to come back into society and he yeah, would help sure. rehouse them and, and get them back into mainstream life. That, that's really and, cool uh, to I always hear. remember that, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a really nice project that he was doing. I'm really proud of him for that. Yeah. And, and he had a guy who used to do all of his uh, repair works, like a handyman. Yeah. And the guy was uh, like a rasta with uh, curly locks, right? And he is from is he just like is he just like the stereotypical rasta man? No, no, he was something else. Like he was rasta, but he was like a party animal kind of like na na na. My name's Lee, you know. <laughs> and he'd like and he'd like he'd do these funny things. So he he used to smoke hash, right? Yeah, and so he'd light it up with a lighter because obviously you've got to light it so the resin gets like comes off and then you can yeah. make it. So just for uh, the people who don't know, um, hash is like concentrated weed technically. Yeah, H- hash is nicer. I think hash gives you a better high. Like you can go through your day, smoke hash and go through your day. Moroc- That's Moroc- like Moroccan hash, yeah. The Moroccan hashish. <laughs> so he, so he. Yeah, so finally enough, he used to like light it up and he'd be like, na na na, sweet like chocolate. Sweet like chocolate, and it was so funny. And I mean, I was quite young at the time, but it used to. So I'm, I'm, I've been open and exposed and seen these yeah, things. So for sure. it's kind of natural. Yeah. And I realized that everything in its entirety, like everything in its obsolete uh, component, is just a thing, right? It's up to us for the intention we put on it and how we use it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And like, just I've got a similar story from my child. No, not really similar, but I've got a story from my childhood because. Uh, my mum works in mental health and she works in mental health hospitals. And so while mm. you had the sort of the positive um, sort of um, view of uh, what was going on, I sort of uh, saw the negative where my mum my would tell me about uh, one of her patients who was like really, really uh, mentally ill. And it's because of their abuse of, of marijuana. And it's, um, it was a real sad case. And, and the person, mm. um, you know, who, the patient wasn't that old at all, like, in, you know, early 20s. And so... You know, there's, you know, there's, um, we have to look at it in a holistic way and realize that. Yeah, but and, and negative. exactly. But, but, but that kind of echoes on what I just said before is that weed, marijuana is, is what it is. Okay. We can either use it in a good way for a positive experience. In fact, there's some, there's, it's, uh, in, a, in terms of consciousness and spirituality, it's seen as a sacred tool as a gateway to explore different levels of consciousness and open our minds in that way. And we can use it in a positive way. Artists and music artists use it to produce great song lyrics. Artists use it in all sorts of ways to, to create. Yeah. But you can also use it in a negative, harmful way. And that can have a negative impact on your life. So, yeah, we look at it in a holistic view. But the problem here is actually us. Yeah. Humans, the way we use it. For sure, for sure. But the thing is, like, we, have, we also have to realise and we shouldn't consciously localise the issue to the individual because more often than not, the, um, the reason for their drug abuse could be from, like, a difficult childhood, from early trauma, from low social status, you know, from depression, even genetics. And so there's a whole, there's a whole uh, you know, host of things that, you know, could, you know, contribute to drug abuse and drug addiction, yeah, exactly. And I mean, people use these as self-medicating mechanisms to escape. Yeah. So this is the, the problem comes from dependency. And really, when it, in terms of that and addiction for that, people need to, we need to educate and teach people different alternative ways to, to manage their dependencies, addictions and negative emotions and struggles and situations in life. Yeah, for sure. Smoking man. weed is not the answer to curing your depression. In fact, it exacerbates the problem. Really, if you, if you are having negative and depressive episodes and stuff, then I don't really know if you should be smoking weed at all. Really, you should be looking at how you can naturally and organically improve that relationship that you have with depression. Yeah, for because sure, for sure. Depression, 
Depression doesn't define you. The negative thoughts, the negative feelings don't define you, but we become attached to them and they see them as defining us. Yeah. So we, and, and that's where, and a lot of people are saying it right now, meditation is the answer. And there's a, there's a song, right? Uh, medication by Bob Marley's son, Damien Marley. And it's yeah. like, medication. And I always sing and change the lyrics to meditation. So that's going to be, um, you know, we're going to turn the contrarian into um, the best young label in the country. And we're going to put that song out available on, on Spotify and Apple Music. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and new sound and new sound radio next to FM. Welcome back to the second half of the podcast. So, I hope that we covered weed and cannabis in a way that was interesting and accessible to you guys. If you have any questions or if you want us to talk about any other things, then drop, you know, either me, Chris or Toffee can message or DM us on the podcast account. We're going to be doing a lot more polls and, and ask your guys' opinions. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, going on to the second part of the episode, we're going to be talking about uh, a topic that we, weren't, we, you know, we, we wouldn't want our parents to be listening to. <laughs> Spit out. <laughs> but the um the prevalence of pornography in modern society yeah i don't know which one i prefer out of these two topics it's uh i really enjoy both of them but uh, <laughs> porn might kind of nip it by the bud and, and <laughs> nip, oh, i like what you did there but the um, yeah. <laughs> have you heard recently how we're in lockdown and um i'm not sure about this country but when italy first went into lockdown Pornhub gave everyone in Italy access to a Pornhub premium for free, which I found was just so funny. That's actually jokes. I think I saw uh, an advert on Pornhub uh, at some point and it said, uh, is it, it had like um, a model on there with like gloves on and a mask <laughs> as an advert. And then it said like, stay safe, stay inside, let's come together. <laughs> this is another sort of like taboo topic, which is um, important to discuss what is your take on porn mr chris ali um it's a difficult one actually because uh it's a very complex situation first and foremost i think sex is a really taboo thing in society and that's a massive problem uh that we have and i think that porn actually in some ways doesn't help the problem and i think porn has the potential to be really good but Unfortunately, it's just completely missing out on that. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think what I've sort of, well, I don't know, I don't know how to say this, but um, what I've sort of gathered in terms of when I listen to people speaking and hear things on the news and stuff is that if you watch porn, you have this sort of artificial concept in your head about what sex is meant to be. And we see a lot of the time, a lot of young people, you know, as young as 13, 14, as soon as they hit puberty, they're watching porn and they're getting this sort of image in their head. And so it really affects their, their sexual lives as they grow up, as they become adults. And I think it's, um, it is something that we should talk about more because it is, it is something that has a profound effect on, on everyone that is involved. Yeah, precisely. Quite frankly. Yeah, it, it actually warps people's perceptions of, of real life uh, sex, okay? Because look, first and foremost, it's male dominated, okay? A lot of the videos and a lot of the categories, only one category is like specifically for females, right? Yeah. On Pornhub, I don't know about the other websites, yeah. you know, I'm but loyal, I, I'm loyal, babe. But All the right? thing is, so, just, just before we um, carry on, I think it's important to, to say that, although it's male dominated, like females, there are obviously females do watch porn as well, like. We can't be naive. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, I, I don't mean that males are the ones who are watching porn. Uh, okay. Of course both sexes watch porn. I mean that it's, it's dominant for male pleasure. Like the videos are about male pleasure. Yeah. It's about, um, it's quite misogynistic and objectifying. Yeah. Like yeah, for sure. In and certain ways. And it actually puts pressure on young women to have to live up to the expectations of like porn actresses to satisfy male desires. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and I think a another real concern is the whole area to do with consent. And like, it's important. Like, 
consent is one of the most important things when it comes to having a sexual relationship with uh, someone else. And it's, it's really disturbing when you see categories like rape or forced and, and, and what these porn websites do is they normalize this sort of behavior. I feel like, because if you're seeing there's a category on a porn website about a specific, um, I'm not even going to call rape a, a practice. It's not, it should not be a category. It should, and this is what I think is why this sort of thing is in the news recently, because we need to get rid of this sort of image of it's okay to do it. It's, it's not real. So when it says um, rape in the title, more often than not, it's staged in a big set. It's, yeah. it's not that, it's a professional film. Exactly. And so that's the thing. And I think it's, and especially what we were talking about earlier with young kids watching it. And we don't want, that's the issue. We do not want to normalize this behavior because it's wrong and it should not be something that, you know, is fetishized as, uh, is, that a, is that, I think that's a correct word to say. Fetish is uh, like when it's becoming to something that people, want. yeah, yeah, I guess it can fit. Yeah, because then, um, of course, there's like the more... They're making rape a fetish. Yeah, know, but then there, are, there is the more sort of extreme version, you know, extreme, you know, sexual stuff like BDSM and uh, all this other crazy stuff. And yeah, like the thing is, there's, it's so easy for someone to go onto a, you know, a pornographic website and just see what, literally, they can see whatever they want. And there's, there's a real issue there. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the situation with the, with the rape and the force stuff is disgusting. Like, how are they, like you said, how are they almost like making it okay? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're, they're almost saying it's okay. And I think that's awful. Um, but another school of thought is that it gives people who have those thoughts an outlet to, um, to express their views, which, of course, we, I don't agree with or you don't agree with and society doesn't agree with, but... You know, could it be a lot more dangerous if mm. it was not possible? I mean, there's arguments for and against it because normalizing yeah. it, as we see, actually has a very big negative impact. No, same for with, sure, for same sure. With, same with video games and crime, right? So people see it as, as, as oh, maybe somebody's <clears throat> not saying yes because they're playing the hard game. Yeah. No, it's really or, interesting. And they try and rationalize it and, and yeah. normalize it and it's just not yeah. right. No, it's it's really interesting that you brought that up there because sort of saying that it gives someone an outlet and you could where you could say that for a video game, if you're angry, you could just go jump jump onto Call of Duty and uh, you know, you know, uh, or FIFA and just like um play a game. But I think the the point is with um with porn and with like stuff that's very sexual in nature is that I don't know. So I don't know if you have heard this sort of argument where people say that porn is dangerous because it's a slippery slope. Like you, you could start by watching some very like, I don't know, tame stuff. And then you know, there's a real slippery slope, you know, that doesn't please you anymore. So then you go and watch more hardcore and more hardcore things. And so by having those categories there, then you're facilitating someone's sort of descendants into liking and fetishizing this sort of behavior. Yeah, I mean, two separate points, actually, that I want to bring up is one is that this is the same way as addiction works and tolerance, right? So the more you smoke, the more cigarettes you need to get the same effect. The more you drink, the longer it takes to get drunk, right? The more porn you watch, the more intense it has to be to get the same pleasure. Yeah. And it's true. It's a slippery slope, man. You start watching PG stuff and then... (laughs) Before you know it, you're watching Extreme 18 and it's, it's not healthy. It really isn't. And I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people can understand and uh, appreciate how, how this is a problem. Yeah. Because it, it does cause that, right? And but secondly, fetishes aren't bad, right? Fetishes are just... Because fetish should have um, a, a very important code of conduct. Yeah. Safe words. Yeah. The, the respect and cooperation of both parties. So fetish, like BDSM stuff, isn't bad because the idea is that it's, it's playing on the, the masculine and feminine, the, the dominance and the submission, yeah. and the, the power plays there. Yeah, but it so also reverses it in a lot of uh, ways as well. Exactly, exactly. And there's, and there's a positive feeling for both. Yeah. 
yeah. like the pain and pleasure, you know. So, so that's okay. I think that's okay. But the problem is, yeah, when it becomes very yeah. one-sided, aggressive. Another thing that I sort of um, noticed recently. So, you know, there's the whole sort of prevalence of influencers now and mm-hmm. you sort of say these uh, youtube famous instagram famous tiktok famous people mm-hmm. more often than not these people are mixing with the very top female porn stars the lana Rhodes, the uh, mia khalifas all these um sort of people and it's funny because when they talk about their their because it is their work and they say it's weird how all the time it's sort of like the sort of stepbrother, stepson, stepdaughter, stepdad thing. And it's like, it's so weird as well. Like that's another thing that's sort of really weird that, you know, these porn stars are having to, you know, make scenes where they're they're having to have sex with, you know, their, their family member. And it's just, it's another, I guess, weird fetish in society. Yeah, I guess Freud was right I, all along in it. The, the <laughs> forbidden fruit. Sort of, I don't know. It's, 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 it's weird. Yeah, it's a very interesting concept. I mean, I don't get it personally. But yeah, but yeah and actually, you speak about Mia Khalifa. Mia Khalifa um, spoke out, didn't she, recently? I don't know the ins and outs of it. But yeah, so yeah. Spoke so, out about the, the way she's being treated and, exactly. and, uh, and her professionalism. I actually saw the... Um, the video, not the um, interview with her. Earlier. <laughs> did you see both? <laughs> yeah, I did extensive research into Mia Khalifa. <laughs> but yeah, so I saw that interview, and what she was saying was, she was young at the time. People approached her, and you know, they said, you know, would you want to do modelling? And then after that, it went to nude modelling, and then you know, it sort of went into, um, would you want to do porn? And and. Um, what, she, she, said, she said it was really nice. The people involved are really nice. And it was like a proper professional studio environment. Mm-hmm. And it was... But the thing is, I think it, it, it's difficult because then she becomes like... She is the asset. She is the money-making machine. And so, um, especially, you know, she, she spoke of scenes that she had to do where they made her wear the Islamic hijab. And she said to them, like, literally, you're going to get me killed. But they didn't care. They saw it as a joke. And so, I don't know. Yeah. There is negative connotations. And, and another thing that is, a, you know, it's a good thing to bring up is the whole aspect of slut shaming and like really looking down at uh, porn stars. And, and more like if we talk about on our level in terms of like us and our friends, like we should be careful and mindful not to, you know, quote unquote, slut shame our friends. It's not good. It's not even that it's not good. It's wrong. Yeah, exactly. Exactly my point. It's it's wrong and we shouldn't be looking at women in that way. And also men, just as equally, we shouldn't be, um, you know, a walking contradiction. Yeah, I mean, look, this is how I see it, right? If, if in terms of environment, natural life, if you want to have sex with a woman, then a woman has to have sex with you. Yeah, this is how it works. So in what sort of warped, twisted society can we say that it's good for a guy to have sex with a girl, but it's a bad thing for a girl to have sex with a guy, right? This is the taboo and this is the misogynistic society in which we live. And it's just plain and simply wrong, right? Really, we should be promoting positive and enjoyable sexual relations between people to go and do it as they please, as long as both people are enjoying it, right? But porn actually facilitates that because it's all about male pleasure over females, you know? Yeah. It's all about using women as objects and all these sorts of things when you get into certain categories yeah. that and, I know that yeah. guys watch. And do you know and what? So I, was, I, was, I was actually thinking, just before we move on, I was just thinking, it's like, so, you know, it's like people be like, ah, oh, would you want your daughter to be a porn star, blah, blah, blah. It's so shameful, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. So this person, let's just say Mia Khalifa, this person, by using her natural beauty and using, you know, we could say porn is an art form. You, you know, using that, she's made so much money. And so she's there living her lavish lifestyle. And you're there saying, oh, like, that's so wrong. But like, then you're just there living your mediocre life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I get you. And you're right. Look, sex is the most natural thing in society we needed to keep the society yeah, going. as in we're everyone's here because of sex let's not let's not so, beat around the bush yeah yeah literally so so it's actually 
the way that we are looking at it is actually completely wrong way around, right? Actually, it's very clever and a great use of, of nature to be able to make money out of, out of this. Yeah, right. For sure. To be able to utilize, like you said, the way you look, the way you perform, your sexual abilities, and all these things put together to make money from it is very clever. Exactly, exactly. And uh, but, she, she's but for not some reason, yeah. And, but for some reason, the way we look at it is is the problem, right? Yeah, and, and it's, yeah, it's about changing the way we look at things because let's just say a lot of. Um, a lot of men that you will speak to, we just, we'll just talk about men right now, but a lot of men, if, even if they wouldn't openly admit it, they, they would have and they probably have watched porn. And so, you know, in one aspect of their life, they're sort of being like, oh yeah, they, like they're getting pleasure out of these females. And then on the other side of their life, they're saying, okay, no, this is completely wrong. This isn't, and it's so contradictory and you have to, we shouldn't aspire to be like that. We should be better. And we should appreciate, like, this is an industry that is um, just as important as, like, the field, you know, as um, leisure industry. It's just as important as any other industry. Yeah, I mean, look, when it comes to this, look, you go to the movies to get an outlet and escapism and watch, uh, let's say, an adventure movie, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean that you try and you don't do what Spider-Man does and jump from building to building. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So... If you see in a, in, a, in a porn film that there are, I don't know, facials and anals and uh, anal scenes and stuff like this, <laughs> doesn't mean that you should, ex- no, no, but doesn't mean that you should expect girls to just do it like that. No, no, it's true. It's true. Obviously, you might yeah. enjoy it, but you shouldn't start to expect these things. Yeah, no, exactly. That, I'm, I'm really glad it that could... you brought uh, that up because, you know, there's, uh, women shouldn't feel as if they should live up to this expectation. They should do things that they're comfortable with. And it's the same with men. You know, both, both genders or any gender um you know whatever gender you are you're entitled to do what you want to do it's your body at the yeah. end of the day and you have to and you have to appreciate other people's boundaries because yeah. when you find somebody that you have the, that you have the same boundaries and you can go to that whatever those limits are or whatever then it's then it's a really positive experience but the thing is and i'll, I'll say this out here now is like if people don't have the same sexual boundaries right and they don't and they conflict, so they have different views or different pleasures or different um, ideas of what they enjoy, and you don't cater to one another, then sexual relationships just break down. Yeah, for sure. And when sexual relationships break down, generally, relationships start to break down too. Yeah, it's, it's an important part of a relationship. I mean, it's not the Precisely. be all and end all, but it is important. It's one of the main factors, right? You need to be able to make your partner feel good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's you know it's not but but it's not it's not just the penetration it's not just like that no no, it's everything it's It's it's, essential it's the sensuality it's the desire yeah it's the wanting it's the giving and receiving and and the communication yeah because there's um, a lot more to sex but porn is taking that out because it's just a movie yeah exactly exactly and um but but sex is sacred all right chris i got a question for you so how do you think porn impacts relationships it's a really interesting one, actually. I think for some people, it can make their relationship and for some people, it breaks their relationship. And what I've seen is that for it's a very important talking point in your relationship because some people, some partners find it almost like cheating. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to watch if porn or other people having sex is effectively uh, being disloyal. Yeah, like um, to, to get off but, on someone else that's not yeah. your partner. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, for me, I think that like, we've been talking about is that porn is more about entertainment and it's almost like going to the movies in a sense. It's that escapism. Yeah. Exactly. And for exactly. me personally, I don't think it is because I think it's to its purpose, right? Like you can go and watch a movie and enjoy the movie without like being envious of. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Cause like, whereas, like when it comes to like pornography, like, you know, m- most of the time, like, you know if it's a male or female it doesn't matter like they will be masturbating so i don't know that's that's what i mean i think it's like that little fine line i guess i it's an awkward question to ask your partner isn't it it's like oh like is it okay with me like watching porn and like masturbating to yeah i mean i think it's the way you go about it right because it's a really important question right these taboos these questions need to be spoken about in relationships really otherwise we'll see a breakdown in it because you need an open and honest communication channel okay if you don't have that 
and you don't have that uh, awareness and understanding of each other's boundaries, then relationships will break down over time. Yeah, and, exactly. But like, okay, for some people it's, it's not good and that's fair enough. But actually for some relationships, it really adds a different bit of flavor to what they've got yeah, going on. Yeah, it spices on. things it's up. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just like adds, adds a new dimension to that side of the relationship. Exactly, and you're kind of like looking at getting some ideas from it, like what you guys want to incorporate into your sex life so it becomes more adventurous. And I think it really, uh, it, and I, I saw a review page, National Review, and saying that like in reality, some elements of sexualizing your relationship or keeping the, the stimulus or keeping the intensity going is, is really fundamental for long-term marriages and relationships. So yeah, for sure. I think it can have a really positive effect if you guys are both on it together and you are supporting each other and, and being open with that, but then it does ruin relationships, unfortunately, um, when people become addicted to porn and that yeah, kind of ruins exactly, their, yeah, exactly. their relationship with their person because you only get stimulated and turned on by watching somebody being satisfied in a video, not by your partner satisfying you. Yeah, it's and, a real it, shame. and it, is, it is really difficult because you see a lot of people uh, we discussed this earlier about how like people can only really you know have sexual pleasure by watching porn or by doing it themselves because they've done it so so much that then when they have like sexual relations with another person then it's not quite at the same level and then you don't get it could impede some people's performances it's uh it's a proven to be the case it's well this is it isn't it it's true (laughs) i i know it sometimes has occurred yeah, as in, in yeah. the past. It's, it's moving towards porn addiction. And uh, yeah, it, it definitely does have a potential to mess up or yeah. negatively impact. So everything in moderation, Exactly. Right? Sometimes you can take a leaf or two out of the performance and try and emulate some of the better performers, you know, and try and incorporate that <laughs> but into you know, somewhere where you have a comfortable relationship with somebody. It's, it's funny because there's like, you know how we, when we think of porn, we think of like porn stars, like the, the women's side, but it's crazy because when I was having a look at, there was this thing in Canada called like, um, it was about like this uh, porno recruitment for males. And like, they have to go through like a rigorous process. Like they've got to make sure that they're hard for like a certain amount of time. They can't like ejaculate prematurely. And it's, it's difficult when there's like, you're working with some of the top, female porn stars in the industry yeah i guess you gotta have the best of the best <laughs> yeah well yeah. put the link on and maybe someone if they back themselves can sign up for it yeah <laughs> but yeah but no so i think it's it's always good to be honest and open and you know pornography is a is a big talking it's not a big talking point, but it's an important talking point and i think it's if you're in a relationship then it's something that you shouldn't really like you know, shy away from is something that you should openly discuss because it could A, it could help your relationship or B, you know, you don't want it to ruin your relationship. The, I think the last point that I wanted to touch upon just on, you know, this area of um, porn was just the whole child pornography and sex trafficking issues oh, that we yeah. have. And it's, and it, it's something that a lot of uh, people in the porn industry have, um, you know, have admitted that these things are happening. And we have to raise these issues because you know, we want to protect young people, you know, children, they shouldn't be in, you know, they shouldn't be, there, there's no place in porn for, for children. And so it, it's, it's a big reason why like the Tumblr has had a lot of problems in terms of uh, child pornography and um, se- with sex, uh, sex trafficking and human trafficking as well. It's actually disgusting. Yeah. It's disgusting, right? But do you know what's more scary? Honestly, yeah. Pizzagate. Pizzagate, go on. Yeah. So Pizzagate is a conspiracy theory that went viral during the presidential election cycle in 2016. Okay. Okay. And basically John Podesta's emails got hacked, right? Yeah. And, and it got exposed that he was putting a load of code words to replace kids. Like, can I have a slice of pizza for one hour? Can you bring these two, uh, can I have fun or like all these sexual sentences and and like messages and just swat swapping code words for pizzas and and like pizza terms which has uh, been been shown in other domains that it's a common thing that pedophiles will do yeah pedophiles will use these like trade words and so, a lot of the time from these pizza whatever's pizza words and 
and use these, okay? So there's a really big problem happening here. It's disgusting. And you saw it with Harvey Weinstein or uh, Epstein and all these people and Prince Andrew and it all came through, right? Yeah, exactly. And um... but, but these guys, like I know Harvey Weinstein in particular, I think I saw it and heard it somewhere, like had, an, had a place where they were all doing these things. But this is one of the biggest conspiracy theories. And I'm telling you that there's more truth to it than we're led to believe. Because of course, if this gets exposed, then the, the, it's a disastrous catastrophe. Yeah. And we look at Hollywood and we, we hear about the casting couch as something that is um, prevalent. And it's something that does happen. You know, uh, exchanging sexual favours for uh, a part in a movie. I think it's, um, it's disgusting, but it's something that we shouldn't turn a blind eye to. And, and I'm really glad that there was, was, was the Me Too movement where a lot of female actresses and even male actors who experienced some sort of sexual exploitation, like Terry Crews, for example. Like he's a, he's a big man. And he even said that someone's been touching him up in bad and weird ways. And it's just, it's good that this whole Me Too movement has brought to the surface a lot of these underlying issues that would not have been spoken about. Yeah, honestly, it's because it's, it's America, right? It's America. It's Hollywood and it's the people who are in charge. Why do you think that it's not being exposed in the mainstream? Yeah. Uh, um, going to be. Yeah. And so, and, and so we really have to look at and do our research into these things and, and understand what's really going on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And just, I think it's obviously if you're watching child porn, please stop now. It's not good. Um, if you're, if you're involved in sex trafficking, I hope uh, you get caught and you rot in jail for the rest of your life. That mm. goes without saying. Actually, actually, there's this um, craze in the UK, right? Where um, people were trying to hunt paedophiles, right? They were luring them in and, and catching them. Yeah, as I, I've seen it on, um, on YouTube, actually. There's the, I can't remember the chap, but he pretends to be a child or like a, a female 14 year old girl and he speaks to like these boys on Instagram and then he baits them into doing like whatever and then he sends all of that to the police and then he lets them do what they have to do yeah but there's other people who actually went and ch- like go and confront them themselves oh really like the proper vigilante approach which is uh, a bit dangerous, but you can understand why people do it. Yeah, exactly. Because right? th- that's the thing, like, especially children, like children in society are like really vulnerable and like they're, they're it's like the purest form of like human being in society. Like they're so innocent and you wouldn't want them to be anywhere near this sort of disgusting behavior. Yeah. And honestly, that's, that's why these people use them. And it's yeah, harrowing. Horrible. Yeah. It's harrowing, right? And uh, I think, actually, for the first time in US for a long time, uh, Donald Trump has actually made it a priority to combat human trafficking. Nice, nice. I think it's... Because um, of the problems of it in, in the system in America. There should be a big intergovernmental response to try and combat this because it's, um, it's an issue that transcends borders. Honestly, it's not just an intergovernmental thing that's a problem. You know, we have to take action and to become aware of these things as society as people as humans yeah yeah and so we have to do our own research and see what's going on and 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 advocate for the fact that it's it's not good and we should be stopping it yeah because sure. sometimes those in power don't have it as uh, their priority yeah for sure for and sure. we have to wonder we have to question why so yeah. Again, like what we always say at The Contrarian is make sure you wear your analytical hats all the time and make sure that you're, you're switched on and uh, you're aware of what's going on around you because it's important. We, should, we shouldn't just do things blindly or we shouldn't turn a blind eye to things that we might not, we might not necessarily like. Yeah, I mean, it's just be having a, uh, a level of uh, constructive uh, t- like awareness of different perspectives and different sides of the coin and just doing your own research. Another, another thing that I wanted to ask you quickly before we uh, wrap this episode up was, you know how, um, so yesterday I told you, I found this YouTube channel called the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And they were basically saying that like pornography is like a huge sin and like, it's really bad. And it's like as bad as a plague that we've never seen before. And I think, you know, 
<laughs> I, I could help but laugh. But yeah, I don't think porn is bad in terms of like a moral sense. I don't like, what was your opinion on that? I don't think porn is bad in a moral sense, but obviously it has some really bad aspects to it. And yeah. and from a religious standpoint, you can see why, why they are shouting about it because sperm and ejaculate or whatever is sacred and you shouldn't be wasting it like that and whatever, whatever. But also, um, you know, porn is escapism for a lot of people and it's a stress release. So yeah. I don't really know if we can agree with the fact that they're banging on about this being a really bad thing. But what I would say in a closing comment is that, look, there's a lot of taboo around sex in general and negative stereotypes of being adventurous and whatever there is. Now, porn has the potential to do a really good job of promoting positive sexual relations and experiences. Yeah, 100%. And that's what it should be striving to do. That's the potential it has. Yeah. But whether that happens or not is to be seen. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Contrarian Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. It was a bit of a, a different podcast, should we say, a bit more sort of, uh, how would you describe it, Chris? It's just a uh, left field one, isn't yeah, it? Le- just, yeah, talk, a proper yeah, chat. Proper chat. We don't hide behind anything at the Contrarian. Clear and fluid, eh? But yeah, so make sure you follow us on social media. On Instagram, it's at the underscore Contrarian Podcast. Um, yeah, that's where we're most active. If you want to follow um, me or Chris or Tofik, then you'll be able to find us on Instagram. But we're also on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook. Right. Thank you, Chris. Cheers, bro.